New presidents go out and slang over racial code words like that. Few right, presidents go out and crap on the dignity and legacy of, the, of people like these okay. code talkers, these, these, these heroic veterans, and then send their press secretary out to answer questions in a way that isn't saying, wow, the president regrets what he said today, he made a mistake, he truly wishes he had not said that. Instead, she goes out and she tries to bury people in an avalanche of, of horseshit every day because this is her job. I get that that's her job. I All get right, the White House press enough. secretary often we don't, need, we don't need that much. Um, yeah, so I'm... <laughs> I happened to flip on the TV, and it was on CNN for some reason. And Don Lemon's always interesting show is on. And a panelist just drops a horse-ass bomb. And uh, old Don Lemon, his eyes kind of go up, and he looks around, and he thinks, eh, everybody's fine. <laughs> and they just keep going. There's an avalanche of, of horse shit every day. Everybody seems to be alive, so. Boy, do you remember the uh, the tragic 1929 avalanche of horse crap that uh, affected <laughs> Paducah, Kentucky? Um, uh, yeah, Changed this- labor laws all across the country. It was funny because I thought, "Wow, what he he just did." It. Then I thought, "I I am I'm an activist on the issue of I think you ought to be able to say bull ass on the radio." I mean, actually say the word. Well, if you're going to have a cause, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, and so cable I, networks can allow that to happen. They sure. are they are not under the the, the jurisdiction <laughs> of the FCC. The only reason they don't is fear of advertising backlash. Well, because, that's really the only reason. Go ahead. Is it because that's what they're mostly spewing all day long? <laughs> They just don't want to call attention to that fact. Uh, the FCC is is a it's like uh, the Wizard of Oz. It's uh, I'm told it's behind the curtain. Um, their actual power at this point, their enforcement of anything is I, I don't I, I don't see it. it. It hardly exists in our world. I wonder if we started using that term. I mean, because there are terms that were were unthinkable a few years ago that are fairly regular. There's a national radio show. That drops a hole bombs. Now, and nobody does anything about it. Nobody cares. It's it's up to the audience. You don't like it? Tune on. To, tune into something else. Well, we've argued before. Is it worse to say ass bleep or bleep hole? Right. For some reason, because <laughs> you can say both of them. For some reason, bleep hole sounds worse than ass bleep, even though ass is the bad word. Bleep hole, <laughs> ass bleep, bleep hole, ass bleep, bleep hole. You bleep hole, but you can't put them together. No, because well, you know, because well, because you know. <laughs> I'm looking up at Good Morning America. This is day two of this coverage. World reacts to royal engagement. Oh, boy. <laughs> is the world reacting to that? Oh, boy. Speaking of BS. Oh, boy. She uh, she had a nose job. Okay. A gorgeous gal. I can't imagine why she had to. Her nose wasn't buttony enough. All right. S- Maybe Marshall Phillips insisted on it. Marshall, our beloved newsman, National Park visitor, Marshall Phillips, likes a button nose. Is there any chance this is some sort of British long con to try to get America back? <laughs> Do you think the Queen said, eh, we will not have a princess without a button nose? <laughs> I have no idea, but she, she went is under a the Hollywoodite. Hmm. Uh, the other thing, uh, we uh, got a couple of correspondence on the topic of uh, Prince Ari's uh, parentage. Uh, Robin sent a picture of uh, his grandfather, Prince Philip, on a Life magazine cover back in like the... 40s or 50s and there's and and those who believe this are saying look that they're dead ringers for each other is he the stutterer from that famous movie prince philip no the king's speech yeah probably not i don't believe so no never mind Mm, no because he was the king okay yeah it wasn't the prince's speech i had to think about it though well who was that england's prince albert Uh, in a can that's right um 
So, uh, uh, but uh, so people who believe that uh, that he's Charles' kid say, "Look, his granddad looked just like that him." That happens it, sometimes. Well, yeah, except I've seen the picture, and they're vaguely, sort of, kind of, arguably. I've never... I mean, they're both kind of redheaded, but he looks precisely like his mom's bodyguard, who was a stud, and she was in a miserable, loveless marriage. Right. That would be uh, James Hewitt, former British Army captain. Not the big-eared, inbred, horse-faced dolt that sired his brother, <laughs> according to Jim in San Diego. Thank you, Jim. That's uh, unnecessarily oh hurtful toward old Prince Chuck. What did he ever do to you? I've never seen that guy before, but that looks exactly like Oh, really? I haven't either. I've just heard Joe Oh, James say. Hewitt? Oh, yeah. yeah like, that's, that's, that's his face. I'm that's... telling you, it's like me and Declan. Yeah, that's Prince Harry's dad. Yeah. <laughs> I have no doubt. Jack no. has done the take a look at that analysis, and it's clear. I remember when I was a little kid, we would walk around Beaconsfield, Iowa, and we'd go visit my grandma and grandpa. And uh, we'd walk around this little town, and old ladies would come out on the lawn. Old ladies, they were probably 50. But they'd come out on the <laughs> lawn, and they'd say, you must be Ken's boy, just by looking at me as a right. little kid. Yeah. Because yeah. I looked like he did when he was a little kid. Yeah. It's amazing how that works that way. You must be James Hewitt's boy. Right. So, yeah, yeah that's, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, which, you know what? Why call attention to it? What, do we identify people as bastards still in this time? Uh, he seems like a terrific young man. I wish him nothing but health and happiness. So you got a bastard marrying a divorcee. <laughs> what kind of a royal wedding is that? What, what kind, kind of, of Britain do we have? Is that a fairy tale? Those God sounds, sa- sounds like a nightmare. God, oh God save they are the, the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> Hello! We need transition music, Michael. I don't remember what we were talking about. So Republicans have long argued that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is corrupt, unaccountable, and unconstitutional. According to David Harsanyi this week, Democrats proved that's exactly how they want it. Um, the long and short of it is, so the uh, the head guy there, he's 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 out, and uh, and he appointed somebody to succeed him, and the president said, no, I get to appoint the next person, and he had his uh, budget director, Mick Mulvaney, appointed to the gig. And Mick Mulvaney has complained for a long time that that's a stupid bureau that shouldn't exist. And so a lot of people are saying, how do you put somebody in charge of an organization who doesn't even believe in its existence? Whereas I say, that sounds perfect. That's exactly right. That sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He called the agency a sick, sad joke that, quote, has no accountability to anyone. And, And he also said there are a number of other departments that are supposed to do this same work. Correct. That already exists, which yeah. happens all the time in government. Yeah, redundancy is, is is probably a bigger problem than out and out waste. While I appreciate the pig book and the waste reports and those things that come out once a year, I, I, it's really it's about redundancy. Same thing is happening in the State Department where people, uh, there's an ambassador out today saying that Tillerson should resign for not filling all the positions in the State Department. Um, and he's got the same attitude where he took over a giant department that he thinks is way bloated and ineffective, and it needs to be much smaller. And so uh, people who like big government are screaming, yelling, how do you put somebody in charge of an organization who doesn't believe in the organization? I think it's perfect. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. particularly if you believe what we believe about the organization. But I, I wonder, 
I wonder if I could get to, what would it take to do this? I'd like to start teaching a model class on, um, call it uh, uh, bureautology, the study of bureaucracies. God, it should be a class that's, that's required. Well, yeah, I, I'm thinking about how many people are, are aware, I mean, acutely aware, of the importance of turf, people, and budget frequently just described as turf when you're talking about a bureaucracy its size means everything to the people who run it Uh, the size of its budget the number of people it employs and the stuff they deal with you could demonstrate that you know a hundred thousand lives would be saved if they would give up a third of their budget or or their people or whatever and and most bureaucrats would not only refuse to go along with it they would fight you tooth and nail they would accuse you of child molestation they would they would they would fight you to the death to protect their turf and all bureaucracies are like that it's like why does the lady lion let the male lion eat more since she did all the work i don't know that's just the way they do it it's the way they behave oh. and i think there ought to be a, a solid Feel the study that everybody takes how bureaucracies behave. Well, in the very least, everybody, I think, knows this. The the conundrum, the catch-22 of if you don't spend all your budget, you don't get as much budget next year. Right, so and you're, then back to the turf thing. Yeah, so you're, you're, there's a huge incentive to use all, to not be thrifty. Right, and on a micro level... If you do all your work, they'll just give you more work, and everybody you work with will be angry at you because they pale in comparison. So there's enormous peer pressure not to get much done in a lot of bureaucracies. And then you got the iron law of bureaucracy. It's funny. We'll get to the CFPB stuff in a minute. But the iron law of bureaucracy, that a a bureaucracy is formed to accomplish a purpose. And bit by bit, the people in that bureaucracy move from accomplishing that purpose to protecting the bureaucracy. And growing the bureaucracy till you reach a point fairly quickly where the job of the bureaucracy is to run the bureaucracy and protect it and grow it. And and the purpose, accomplishing that original purpose, it's an afterthought. It's at least, at least number two on the priority scale if it's a priority at all. And I just think, uh, you know, and, and you know what, you want to talk to somebody who knows about this. Talk to anybody from the Soviet Union who's emigrating to the United States. Immigrated, emigrant, immigrant, immigrant. Um. And ask them about how bureaucracies work and how they grow and how they become more and more hidebound and less responsive. I just think it'd be really useful for every voter in a, a free society to understand that. Because, you know, all these, you know, Barack Obama's going to invade Texas. No, he's not. Donald Trump's the new Hitler. No, he's not. The danger to you and your tax dollars is just the... The metastasization of the the government. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, more and more voracious till you work for it. It doesn't work for you anymore. I just wish college kids knew this, or high school kids, or middle school kids, or adults, or or old people, or or somebody, or Or even the dead, or the undead. Just somebody (laughs) ought to figure out that this crap is going on. So back to the fight over who's running this thing and why people think it's unconstitutional. You'll find it mildly interesting, at least. Also, Tucker Carlson with a tale last night of sometimes people are falsely accused of these sexual harassment sort of things or rape. And he told a heck of a story of what that can be like. So we don't all get swept up in always believing the accuser like we maybe currently are. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
I'm rocking four hours of sleep today for a variety of reasons. And you know what? It's uh, it's not that bad. It's kind of like being drunk. It's kind of like being a little drunk. I'm funnier when I'm sleep deprived. The problem isn't now. The problem is later. I No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Around noon, late in the afternoon. <clears throat> Oof. Note to staff. Why don't you just Jack take a nap may later. get a little. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? Having started before you, Sean. Strike one. How many strikes are there? I've yet to decide that. <laughs> wow. One. So, bit of an arbitrary system. Much like Elizabeth Warren setting up the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I reserve the right to declare how many strikes I think are appropriate wow. on a hitter by hitter basis. <laughs> I don't like you. That'd be the cool thing about being a king. Doing that sort of thing. Mm. Be the chicks for me. but <laughs> You could not run a catamaran in me. I'm so shallow. Ah, uh, Let's see. Where was I? Um, I'm kidding. Of course, as king, I would institute variety of, of reforms that would make my subjects uh, happy and more prosperous. <laughs> and hey, if chicks wanted to get with the king, you want to wear the crown? Wear the crown. <laughs> so, listen, there uh, there was a big court ruling that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is unconstitutional last year. And, uh, some people uh, say that sort of thing and, and, and act as if that means it's self-evident that, that it's true. There have been a number of court rulings lately, um, particularly in terms of, uh, you know, some of Trump's measures that I think have been absolutely ridiculous. I think they've been judicial overreach and, and terrible, terrible rulings. So I'm not going to act as if it's self-evident. But the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit did say in 2016, and the D.C. Court of Appeals, I don't think, is is a conservative court, um, said it gave unprecedented executive authority to a single, unaccountable, unchecked director. And this is from the ruling, because the CFPB is an independent agency headed by a single director and not a multi-member commission. The director possesses more unilateral authority, authority to take actions on one's own, subject to no check, than any single commissioner or board member in any other independent agency in the U.S. government. Wow. Indeed, as we will explain, the director enjoys more unilateral authority than any other officer in any of the three branches of the U.S. government wow, that's other incredible. than the president. That's incredible. So this should be getting more attention than it is. Yeah. Well, and David Harsanyi, who wrote this piece um, that I thought was pretty strong, pretty well-reasoned, um, he points out that Elizabeth Warren, who set up this agency, set it up specifically for this eventuality. Um, that, uh, let's see, where is it? Um, uh, Democrats are now arguing that their favorite bureaucrat should be able to wrest control of a law enforcement agency because they're unhappy with the outcome of the last election. Uh, it's the common kind of norm-busting that Trump's antagonists seem perfectly willing to engage in. Uh, let's see. Oh, there it is. Um, she built the CFPB to circumvent checks and balances. Frank Dodd ensured that the director would be virtually unfireable in case there was ever a Republican president. In case there was ever another Republican Congress, the CFPB would not be funded by tax dollars, but the Federal Reserve. The agency was then stacked with partisan ideologues and allowed to conceive its own arbitrary and wide-ranging rules to go after any practice it found, quote, abusive, unfair, or deceptive. It was sanctioned to administer, enforce, and otherwise implement federal consumer financial laws, which means they wrote the laws, then enforced them, and then assessed the penalties. 
So what? He writes, if the CFPB's charge is both sweeping and deliberately ambiguous, the president's appointee has every right to dictate the aggressiveness of the agency. If you don't like the idea of powerful, unaccountable agencies falling into the hands of Republicans, stop creating them. I thought that was a good uh, bit of reason in there. So, Mulvaney's in charge, that other gal. She's barking up uh, an unproductive tree. Looking up at the TV, Roy Moore goes on the offense. He's running a whole bunch of ads calling the claims against him malicious and false attacks. That's the only way to go. That's the Clinton way. Deny, deny, deny. And he's only got to pull it off for two weeks and, you know, get 50 plus one and squeak in. Right. Um, but I fully believe the accusers in this case, based on the, uh, the, the, the stories the Washington Post has done and the efforts put into that. On the other hand, Tucker Carlson made the point last night that while we're in this wave of hashtag me too, and it's time we believe the accusers, which, right, you know, after decades of never believing the accusers, it's nice to have the pendulum swing this way. Hell yeah. That it can swing too far. And he told this story. Nice note to end the evening on. Well, That's geez. a story from here. Well, that, no, it, it reset. I, okay. I don't have it. Okay. Um, that was a good introduction. How long will it take to get it, you reckon? Uh, just a, a couple seconds. I'll have okay. it next segment or for whenever, but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> this, uh, strike two! Well, that's the computer. That was a different it. offense, though. I just assigned strikes to anything. <laughs> You're out of the box too long, it's a strike. Yeah. I, you th- I think you got too many guards on your legs, that's a strike. Well, I'll tell you what, Tucker Carlson's right, story. Here we go. Here we go. Well, you know what? We're, we're almost out of time. We'll play okay. it next segment. We'll talk about it because I'll hit this other aspect of it before we run out of time. So Tucker went on to play. We're going to slap that aspect. Uh, how very funny. Um, a uh, columnist in Vogue wrote that she's not at all concerned about false sexual harassment claims. Oh, yeah. And that after it being too far one way for forever, if it goes too far the other direction, well, that's just the price you pay for being, you know, evil men who do evil things. Right. That and have forever. That reminds me of other social justice movements right now. We don't want justice. We want vengeance. Yeah, which is a little scary. I mean, I I don't know how many people feel that way, that you've got to somehow, well, literally you're saying two wrongs make a right. That if if things were wrong one direction, you have to go too far the other direction and screw some innocent people on that side to get to justice, which I'm not, well, I'm... I shouldn't even say that. I know is not correct. I would say that's not the way to handle things. Practically universally agreed upon wisdom. Yeah, well, it happens a lot. Ideologies can so twist logic. Yep. Oh, yeah. Did you see? I thought I had this. Uh, Yeah, there was a nurse who lost her job recently. Got it right in front of me. You do. Yeah, she was a a, a maternity and, and, and birthing nurse who said every white woman raises a detriment to society when they raise a son. Someone with the highest propensity to be a terrorist, rapist, racist, killer, and domestic violence all-star. Historically, every son you had should be sacrificed to the wolves, bitch. More of the idea that because white people had too much power for too long, now, you know, you got to go way the other direction. Right. Uh, troubling. We'll play that Tucker Carlson thing for you, an example of a false accuser, which we got to keep our eye out for also. What other stories do you have coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the latest GOP reform bargaining tactic. Forget tax cuts, think tax hikes. We've got Flynn flopping. Trump's former national security advisor ready to deal with the Russian probers. And why you should, you really should, call digital assistance computer instead of Alexa or Siri. All right, all on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
I've almost forgotten my catchphrase. You got to <laughs> keep saying right. it if you're going to make it work. <laughs> sure. Maybe for 2018. I'll bet it'll catch on then. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, we're just getting word the top Democrats in Congress have abruptly pulled out of their White House meeting after President Trump's Twitter attack earlier this morning. We Twitter attack to, on... We talk, When he said we're going to be meeting with the uh, Dems, with Pelosi and, and Chuck and uh, Nancy, and yeah. I don't expect anything to happen. Well, now the Dems have just said, okay, we're not even going to meet with you. It's a fine way to run a country. Yep. Well, yep. yeah. Uh, nothing probably was going to happen. Um, but... Right. Uh, Right. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said earlier, until we get to a, a point that a Republican can vote for a, a Democrat's bill and vice versa, I, I just I don't see After how we're getting gonna... a chunk of what you need. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't I don't think we're ever going to get anywhere. And with Republicans facing uh, dealing with a number of elected members, their own members who aren't sure they can support the GOP tax reform plan. Leaders are meeting with President Trump this morning. They're trying to talk about rounding up the holdouts. The Republicans are working hard to get enough votes to pass the reform. They are now considering adding a trigger that would automatically increase taxes, as yet unspecified, if the reform legislation doesn't generate as much revenue as oh, they expect it to. That's interesting. That's yes. interesting. That's putting your the, you know your money where your mouth is. It's that like, is I, interesting. I believe it's going to increase the, make right. the economy better. I believe it so much, I'm willing to put this guarantee in there. Right. 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 I like that. Now. Yeah, changes uh, being considered to try to satisfy the wavering uh, Republican senators who are concerned the legislation will add significantly to the nation's debt. So that is the deal they're talking about this morning. That is interesting. Uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial board over the weekend, I mentioned this yesterday, said they think it would cause a 3 to 4% growth in the country's GDP. Right. Which would be great for everybody. Democrat Congressman John Conyers being accused of sexual harassment yet again. The Detroit News is reporting that Deanna Maher, who served as Conyers' deputy chief of staff from 97 to 2005, claims Conyers touched her inappropriately, made unwelcome sexual advances towards her on at least three occasions. Conyers attorney. Was he wearing just his underwear like he did with that one woman? Or wandering incoherently in and out of hearing. Where am I? Apparently, I put uh, on my underwear. Apparently, one of the uh, romantic endeavors was attempted in an elevator somewhere. So, you know, a, a reporter we had yeah, on yesterday. Reporter yes. we had yesterday pointed out, and I'd never really thought about it. Right? It's obviously true. In no no place else but in politics do you have this situation where if you come forward and damage your boss enough, your company goes away. The guy gets, he loses his job. And even if another Democrat gets in, you're going right. to lose your job. They'll and, bring in their own people. And everybody you work with loses and, yeah, their the job. Whole, yeah. The whole office loses their jobs if you come forward with something that he did. Right. right. That, that's an interesting dynamic. It's always been this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know how you fight back against that. God, you'd have your coworkers, maybe even women, who are sympathetic to your plight, who would say, I love my job. I like this gig. I get paid well. The insurance is great. I got two kids in college. Please don't. Can't you just ignore his sexual advances? Got another sign that President Trump's former national security advisor may be cooperating with the special counsel to the Russian investigation. Robert Mueller, ABC News, learned one of Flynn's lawyers met earlier this week with a member of Mueller's team. 
The move coming after Flynn's legal team ended a cooperation agreement with White House attorneys. People briefed on the case say Flynn may be ready to talk as he's facing the prospect that both he and his son could be prosecuted. Oh, the boy. What'd the boy do? I'm not familiar with the boy's story. Oh, yeah. He's uh, yeah he's in it deep with, uh, with the getting money from foreign countries and right. all that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So there is the possibility that Flynn flips in a way that he might not have to save his own kid. Now, is it all about that? What do you call it, act? Or is it tax evasion or what? Do you know? Or? Well, it's the taking money from Turkey without reporting right, it. Is, right. You but know, we've heard going, that that's routinely violated. But they're, they're going to enforce it in this case. Right. So it's leverage for bigger things, probably. You know, yeah. Sarah Westwood, friend of the Armstrong oh. and Getty Show, pointed out the other day on Fox, uh, while people are making a big deal, it's now into the White House, Trump's inner circle. And as she pointed out, when... Who's the lanky lawman? Uh, Comey, Comey. James Comey. When Comey was getting at the end of his investigation, he got to Hillary. He interviewed Hillary. That's how close he got to the power, the very person, which means he was at the end of the investigation and came out and said, we got nothing here. Right. So just because they've finally gotten to the White House and to Flynn Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're not going to say this is the end of it and we got nothing. Right. Well, Flynn's attorney meeting with their people is not that big a deal, is it? No, it could be, as she pointed out. It also could be huge, and it could be the end of the Trump administration. But it's not an indicator that something is a foul, certainly. Now, the digital assistants that more and more people are putting in their homes have names like Alexa and Siri. But an article in Salon argues that we really should just use computer instead as the wake word when we call them. Reasons given. One, these devices become more and more common. We're going to be saying those names more and more each day. And by using a company name like Siri over and over and over, it lets the company functionally and emotionally permeate our lives. I'm not sure I'm buying this. (laughs) Computer, on the other hand, is neutral, according to the experts. And the author of the study also says that giving the digital assistants human names blurs the line between devices and people. And it also, the author also goes on to criticize giving them female names, saying it reinforces the stereotype as of women as subservient. <laughs> Give me a cold oh drink, God. Siri. Yeah. Salon is one of the more exhausting websites on the internet. <laughs> oh, <is it>? yeah. <laughs> makes, yes, your, it makes your arse a bit tired. No, <laughs> yes, yeah. Very much so. Yes, it is. Hey, uh, 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 so, and the other thing is that people complain all the time whenever we talk about this. It, they, we wake right. up their device. Of course, right. if it was all computer, every time you said computer, right. you would you would wake it up. And right. I would never want to inconvenience our listeners by saying, for instance, Siri. Buy 150 boxes of Twinkies from Amazon right now. Alexa, we need toilet paper in bulk. <laughs> I need a thousand pounds of breath mints, Alexa. And they're already busy ordering them. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. What happened to the music there? Oh, I just brought it down just so that you could be nice and clear and loud. Oh, oh. <laughs> to not confuse the Alexas at home. Right. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I see. <laughs> Alexa, extra large condoms, fifty. Boxes. Extra large. Aren't you fantastic? Um, sometimes the accusers aren't telling the truth. We got an example of that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
was six years old, I broke my leg. I was running from my brother and his friends. Hey there. So I hadn't heard this story. I don't know if he'd ever told this story. Tucker Carlson on his TV show on Fox last night, making before he had a guest on, mm. who he looked at as if she was eating a bowl of mayonnaise. Right. It's amazing. <sighs> but anyway, Tucker told this story of how uh, sometimes the accusers aren't telling the truth. Not everyone accused of a sex offense is guilty. Not every accuser is telling the truth. I learned this the hard way a number of years ago when I was accused of felony rape by a woman I'd literally never even seen. She was a certified public accountant in Indiana, an upstanding member of her community, and also apparently delusional. Her claims were grotesque, but they were highly specific. The assault, she said, took place in the back room of a restaurant in Louisville on a specific day at around 10.30 p.m. She included loads of graphic and horrifying detail. It was stomach-turning, and yet none of it, none of it, was true. I spent the next two months trying to stay out of jail. I couldn't tell my children because I knew they'd be ashamed. I couldn't tell my employer because I knew I'd be fired immediately. I spoke only to lawyers, and I paid them a fortune. I took a polygraph exam from the former head polygrapher at the FBI. I never stopped worrying that the charges would become public and destroy my life. Everyone accused of a sex offense did something wrong. Everybody knows that. And I knew that no one would believe otherwise. This isn't a defense of sexual harassment or misbehavior. Um, I didn't know that happened. Wow. But what a nightmare. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. Because it comes out, even if it's none of it's true, you weren't in that town on that day. I mean, just none of that stuff. Even the jokes that, you know. The dark, dark jokes that would follow you around would be miserable. Oh yeah, and in this, and that was then he he figured he would lose his job. Um, in this current climate, you absolutely do. Well, I would hope they would suspend him. You know, Nancy Pelosi is delusional. You know what she is? She's a dotard. I'd like to thank Kim Jong Un for teaching me that word. She is a dotard. Really? <laughs> but um. The one thing she said was, I think, what was it? She said something effective. You know, we do need to embrace some sort of due process, which oh, yeah. is true. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, let's... yeah she slipped it in at an, uh, unfortunate, unenfor- an unfortunate time, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Well, it was I... miserably mishandled. Yeah. But she is right. Yeah. There's got to be some sort of legal process to this whole thing on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, she didn't say that about Roy Moore, for instance. No, <laughs> no. But that's Please. the way everybody does it. Transparent. Uh, I got a tangent. Can I go on my tangent? Yep. Or Okay. Um, so one of the most horrifying things I've ever read, and I don't even remember the specific context, but it was a, a story about a stoning in Afghanistan Ugh. of a young couple um, that I can't remember if it was. I think it was, it was something just so bizarre. It was like an unauthorized marriage or something like that. And... God, this, what a bad way to go. This reporter, oh, he, oh yeah, oh, my God, and it was graphic, too. But this reporter was talking about it, what led up to it, and the actual stoning, which all the villagers competed with each other to show how righteous and how angry they were and competed to who could the most viciously bash in these people's brains over this bizarre minor charge, not even a charge from the Western perspective, but... And then he talked to some of the people afterward, and they were candid. They said, look, I couldn't hang back and not stone the people. Or word would get out that I'm not devout, 
I might not even be a Muslim. And then it's my head gets caved in next. And it was really, uh, it was an interesting illustration of how how savage human beings can be in self-protection and how that urge to go around and be righteous can motivate you to do just absolutely horrifying things. So, you know, absolutely we were too far toward the, you know, not listening to the accusations or not taking the accusations seriously or not trying to understand how humiliating and gut-wrenching it is for a woman to have to work under those circumstances. That's undeniable. But, yeah, let's let's make sure we what we do is we come up with processes that treat everybody uh, with a reasonable degree of fairness. We get these uh, texts every day. You guys have had examples of accusers not telling the truth for weeks in Alabama. We get these texts from people who don't believe the accusations against Roy Moore. So. You know, I haven't heard anybody offer any solid reasoning uh, as to that point of view. If that is your point of view, I'd like to hear some reasoning. And and I will tell you what, I'll I'll save you the trouble if it's that he's been a public figure for X number of years and this hasn't come out. That's just not solid because women don't want to get into this because it's miserable. It's miserable spending all your time now being the gal who accused Roy Moore. It's not fun. God, if you've ever been involved in a legal dispute of any sort, oh, God, it so dominates your life. And so, yeah, they didn't want to deal with it until Roy Moore comes out, is going to be a senator of the United States of America, called some other gals who had the same experience liars, and you think, all right, that's effing enough. And that's when you come out with those accusations. If you don't think human beings are like that, feel free to make that an argument. I would be willing to to entertain it. But I think you're wrong. Elections two weeks from today, that's going to be some interesting situation if Roy Moore wins, with Mitch McConnell having vowed to work as quickly as he can to boot him out. Right. I, I will tell you this, in defense of the people I'm arguing against, the fact that this stuff comes out at a critical moment, at a critical, uh, in the campaign, at a critical moment, trying to hold on to control of the Senate, yeah, 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 it's kind of unfortunate timing. In terms of everybody approaching it with an open heart and an open mind. Did you see Stuart Smalley's press conference yesterday? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was pathetic. It was. Oh, it really God. Was. He's, he's doubling down on the whole, I take thousands of pictures with people. I don't remember if I did that or not. If I groped anybody or God, squeezed their breasts. So or... lame. Well, right. And it's funny. I saw a compilation of him saying, I don't remember that rehearsal in the same way. I don't remember that rehearsal in the same way. That's his phrase, obviously. His lawyers have told him. And you reporters, did they not ask? I didn't watch the whole thing. What do you mean? In what way do you remember it differently? How do you remember it? Because the minute he answers that question, he's called her a liar or a crazy person. Mm. Unless he throws in, but my memory could be off, at which point he's made a confession. So he just keeps throwing out that meaningless phrase. I remember it differently than she does. Well, and he kept saying over and over he's going to work as hard as he can to earn back the trust of blah, 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 that sort of thing. I need to get back to doing the work of the American people. Yeah. Is that a compulsion, that whole grab somebody's buttocks? Like, I think I think it's a, just because you can. Oh, wow. I mean, I... I, I, you I still... I, I, you just have to be built differently. All I would think if I did that is she thinks I'm a creep. Right. She's going to tell our, all, our, all her friends, and they're going to think I'm a creep. You don't that, care in this I'm scenario. not getting any enjoyment out of this. I'm just right. in pure fear embarrassment mode. 
I, I think it's. I think these guys get so entitled. And remember, he was in show business for a long time yeah. before he was in politics. You know, if there was some universe where you know women were just perfectly fine, you mind if I see how firm your butt is and g- give it a nice squeeze, and everybody's perfectly fine with that? There'd be more butt squeezings. Well, <laughs> Al Franken lived in that world in his own mind. Sure, I can grab that a little bit. Oh, I, I'm just messing with you. Smile for the camera and get away with it. Butt squeezins. <laughs> that's no, kind of a no, funny term. No, no, don't go there. I think that's what Britt Hume referred don't. to it last night on Fox. But, uh, but accused of a butt squeezing. I thought that's a funny term. Anyway, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Your point the other day that people are going out of their way to say 